After leaving their high school prom party for the night, four friends end up in an accident. Looking for hope, they wind up in the clutches of Leatherface and his terrifying family. Hello, everyone. I'm Caleb Lugier. I'm Connor Izagari. Welcome to a new episode of Beyond the Bat. all right as i said once again welcome to a new episode where we like to talk about the worst of the worst how do we pick these films you're probably asking because i know it's been around since i actually i think talked about the baseline here um just as a refresh before we kind of get into the movie um we look at our tomato score first you think that's where i'm considered rotten around tomatoes that's our baseline we make exceptions obviously in some cases like for example the friday 13th franchise or the saw franchise if you just did only run movies both those franchises every single film would be on the show so in that that's when we make the exception say like okay in that series what's the most hated amongst the fans which is usually at this point really easy to tell because they've been around long enough that it's usually it's it's easy to go online and be like oh yeah the fans really fucking hate this one um and that's how so that's how we will do it which is how we kind of end up with today's movie yeah this is uh i mean it's not the best franchise texas chainsaw has their ups and downs but holy shit, is it hard to justify this movie? Oh, yeah. So, in case anyone's wondering, I'm probably thinking, well, which Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Because technically, in the original four film series, before they reviewed it, those two films that can qualify. There's at least half of the original franchise that can qualify for this. Today, after a very long decision-making by myself, I opted for the 1995, or 7, depending on when you want to go with this, Slasher film, the Texas Chainsaw, oh, sorry, Texas, let's know the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Next Generation, the fourth installment in the long running franchise, which was originally released in 1995. And then through some shit, I'll talk in, uh, with and develop oh, again in 97. Very road release. We'll get to my go over development hell because while the film seemed to be shot pretty, like it had your usual low budget issues of like time and money besides that most issues came with this fucking release and ongoing issues between two specific actors in this film and not because they're problematic just we'll get into it um before we do that as i like to always do start with a question and because we've done chainsaw week so far in anticipation of the new one i don't think we really got too into the franchise as far as our feelings on it with the filmgasm episode so I would like to take this time to ask you, Connor, your feelings on this franchise as a whole. All right. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre 1974 is an undisputed classic of horror, of cinema. It's an epic, crazy fucking movie that gets scarier every time I watch it. Having said that, this franchise is a fucking mess. <laughs> there's, there's that. There's two, which has grown on me. I haven't seen three, four is a goddamn nightmare. And then it's just reboot after reboot after reboot. 
it's hard to find any kind of consistency here. Uh, unlike, you know, with Halloween, at least you, you got an attempt Friday the 13th. They try even Freddy's like, I don't know what's going on, but we're doing our best. This thing is just like, let's just give them a different drag queen mask every time and just hope for the best. It's, it's hard. Um, and I, you know, films like this next generation are the reason why some people hate slasher films. Cause this is as low as you can go, at least from what I've seen. And uh, I've seen it. Trust me. <laughs> I, don't, <coughs> I don't know if I'm going to watch the rest of the films in the franchise. I feel like I've seen the good ones. So I, I think I'm good. Uh, still holding that hope for uh, the new one, which if you're listening to this on Friday came out today on Netflix. Uh, very excited to watch that. I hope it doesn't suck. Uh, so yeah, I wouldn't say I'm a fan of the franchise, but I love the first film and I tolerate the second one. Okay, fair enough. Um, I get that. I always it's funny because as I've gotten more and more horror, right? As I always have gotten older, um, you always hear like you know Halloween has the most fucked up continuity. I told it was like, no, it doesn't. Actually, it really doesn't because it tries very hard through each of the successful sequels to make some kind of continuity. Like Chainsaw Massacre has the worst because it doesn't try one bit before it just says we got a reboot. Um, and even then, you know, you mentioned it like even this, this, you know, let's exclude the remake forward, right? These original four films that came out, there was attempt to try continuity here, like you know, especially between one and two, obviously, because they're both directed by Cooper. But three did try to continue it forward. There's some things they put in there to have it kind of have a through line. This one has that quick throwaway line in the beginning where they're like, after the original massacre, but there was these two minor yet related incidents. So, it, you know, it, there's small little attempts made. But the thing is, like, from one to four, a different film company made it. I cannot remember for the life of me who made the fucking first film right now, but they're not in business. Um, Canon as we talked about, made two. New Line made three in their attempt to have another Freddy Krueger like franchise holder on their hand. Saw that turn out. And then, as we'll get into this one, Columbia TriStar did this one. So, like, literally in the original four run, it was a different fucking company. And it's still going on to this day. I mean, like, literally, like, they're talking news that did the remake and the prequel. Then you had like Lionsgate slash Millennium that did fucking that shitty Texas Chainsaw 3D. That's my personal like low point for this franchise, at least. They also did Leatherface, but they handled that like piss pool release. And now it's like it's it got sold to one company, but then they sold it to Netflix. So now Netflix has it for the new film we're getting. So it's just like there's been no home for this franchise. It's weird. It's been an ongoing game of hot potato. To see who wants to take the blame for why this, why the most recent film was shit. That's that. There's no faith whatsoever in this franchise. That's actually that's ridiculous and actually really sad. Yeah, it is like ah, uh, it bugs me because I I am a bit more of a fan of this franchise uh, than you are. I would say like I you know man I think the original is a classic. Obviously, I fucking adore the second film. I think it's so good. Three is very bland to me, and that's like why I count twice against it, even though it does have a, a young Vigo Morrison in it, and he's good. Rest of the film's bland, and Ken Forey's in it, and he's also good. Um, 
this one like yeah it's bad but like I, I there's elements i enjoy that we'll get into like later um obviously i don't think it all comes together but there's a lot of elements i enjoy i kind of almost respect how fucking out there this film goes um but again we'll get into all that uh the remake as we talked about i fucking adore love it i am i have soft spot for the prequels of that again as stated i fucking hate 3d leatherface 2017 one not the third film it was okay and so yeah i'm 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 holding out hope that this is the one that will wow me well i mean do we honestly think it can get worse i don't think it can get worse (laughs) that's got to be something it's positive like rock bottom's been reached it's only you know it's only up from here this is true but you know they gotta raise surprising with these fucking franchises I don't know. Maybe Netflix will be the home. Maybe they'll pull this off, and this that'll be where Leatherface gets to, to rest. And I think I think that's the ultimate goal here, right? I think it's the same thing that's happening now with Hellraiser and Hulu doing the new movie. Is that you know what? Maybe we can cut the middleman with these movie companies that don't know what to do with it out, put it on a streamer, and if enough people watching this big hit, we can keep we can have this premier fucking horror franchise on our streamer. That people will want to sign up for and watch and blah, blah blah. Like I said, the only and I was talking to Josh about it actually. The only thing I'm very sad about is that because unless it's like a Shutter film or Paramount Plus or one of those, if it's a Netflix or a Hulu film, they're just so adamant about not having a physical release. Even though Netflix still does DVD in the middle, I need to point this out. Like they're against physical media, but they still do the DVD in the middle service. So I don't, I don't understand the fucking, it's weird. So that's the only thing that makes me sad is that there won't be a physical release because Netflix like, no, it's on Netflix. Just fucking stream it. <laughs> that's unfortunate. But, you know, there are maybe, you know, it'll be so good that it gets accepted into the Criterion collection and there's your, there's your Blu-ray release. <laughs> I doubt that. <laughs> I saw an Apple TV movie on Blu-ray at Best Buy today and I was like, wait a minute. I didn't know they were doing physical release. So maybe, you know, it'll take a while, but it'll happen I'm, eventually. Yeah, I'm hoping they're not like how, you know, like all the streamers are releasing like new episodes weekly. Like they've come back to that because they've realized the benefits far away, uh, the cons of weekly on like streaming where like Netflix binges in one weekend and it's quickly frowned about. But Netflix is like determined to hold out. They're like, no, we got to keep doing it, binge. It's our thing. And I'm like, everyone else has converted Netflix. It's okay. You'll be fine. But I, I, I'm worried that they'll do that. Like, no, we have to hold out. No physical media. And I'm like, it's okay. Because actually, like you said, they could. They don't have to put it out. They can literally do a licensing for a physical, like Blu-ray, 4K, whatever release, to another company, like Screen Factory, or whatever fucking, you know, niche market, uh, video market out there, and they can do it. Yeah. But... I don't know. It's it, on one hand, you know, I get it. If it's a Netflix original, it's not like I'll ever not be able to watch it. So, like, what's the point? I get that, but also, you know, me being a sucker for physical media and having a collection, I would, I would, I would want to own some of these. Yeah. So yeah, and I, I'm saying I get it. You know, they want people to have. They need something for people to watch, which is 
you know, why their prices go up. I always love when people are like, oh, my ne- why is my Netflix monthly charge going up? Well, it's because you want fucking original content on there. Where do you think they're getting the money from? Um, but yeah, I think so. Again, yeah, it's nice for me. I'm a completionist for a lot of my series, so it's just nice to be able to own all of them. And no matter what, now I'll never have a complete Texas Chainsaw collection. <laughs> God damn it. Well, never say never. It might happen someday. Because I know you're not the only person out there who is a completionist and is a horror fan who wants a Blu-ray. There's got to be an outcry somewhere. So somebody somewhere, I'm sure, will, will do it. I'm sure. I know uh, Mike Flanagan. Someone asked Mike Flanagan, uh, you know, his, on his recent show, Midnight Mass. So, like, you think there's – so any hope Netflix will do a physical release of Midnight Mass? And Mike Flanagan answered, and he goes, I have been bugging them about it. And he goes, right now – no hope. They just will not relent. He's like, I'm not going to stop bugging them. So if they have filmmakers like him working for them that are hounding them enough, maybe they'll relent on something, you know? It's so weird because I've seen like, I've seen Blu-rays of House of Cards. I've seen Blu-rays of all the Marvel shows they had. So like, why is it that some stuff gets the physical release and some stuff doesn't? I don't know. I don't know how they decide that. Especially like, okay, you bring up the Marvel stuff. It's useful that that physical stuff's out because it's fucking leaving Netflix. So even their original content apparently isn't forever. Yeah. <laughs> if something happens, it goes away. Nothing happens unless I break my movie. Nothing's happening to my fucking physical media collection. So I was like, yeah, why wouldn't you do that? Yeah. Whatever. Mm-hmm. That's why I still do it. You know, if something leaves and goes to a service I don't have, well, fuck, I can't watch it now. But I have my copy. I can always watch it. Yeah. I have my copy. And, you know, I can upgrade the ones I deem worthy of upgrading. Like, if I ever get off my ass and get the 4K Lord of the Rings, I can do that. And watch it in pristine 4K. Yeah. Which I I really need to do with that set. Because that would be fucking amazing to watch in 4K. That's a a conversation for a different day. But I sure as shit will not be buying Next Generation on any... I don't want to fucking tape. Like, I don't want to own this on any medium whatsoever just look at that see that you own it you have a collector's edition from shout factory i can't fucking believe that. Yeah. Like you paid yeah. real money for that i mean that's, that's insane you couldn't pay me to buy it like to, you couldn't pay me to buy this movie i spent my hard-earned money and i was really excited when they came in the mail collector's edition unrated cut i was like oh my god to each their own, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Fuck supporting Oscar films. I'm going to support Texas Chainsaw Massacre the Next Generation on Blu-ray. You do you. You're probably one of like 15 people who own that. Thousand. <laughs> I doubt it's a thousand. It's a thousand. <laughs> show, me the num- you show me the numbers. Ask Shout Factory the numbers. I'm sure they'll tell you. Isn't that what all these people do is they tell you the numbers? I feel like they'd be ashamed to tell. They're like, I don't <laughs> think we want to tell you the answer to that. No, they, they were happy to announce this movie. This has like a huge following in the fan base. Why? Did, are they, did they watch it? I mean, holy yeah. shit. How do you latch on to anything in this movie? Turn your brain off and enjoy. Oh, God. All right. <laughs> You ready, you ready to talk about how this was developed and whatnot? Yeah. Before we do that, we should show. We should shout out like, why is this here? Uh, 
16% Rotten Tomatoes score. Uh, and that's based off only 37 reviews. So maybe take that with a grain of salt. But then it's got an 18% audience score based off over 25,000 ratings. <laughs> so I think that's a safe bet. Uh, critics consensus. The next generation has the fortune of starring early career Matthew McConaughey and Renee Zellweger, but it services neither headliner well in a convoluted and cheap looking slasher that doesn't live up to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre legacy. And I will, I will second that. Yes. This shit show grossed 185,000 on a budget of 600,000. That is horrendous. That's, that's career destroying horrendous. Well, I'll also get into it in here. It did not open in thousands of screens. I think if I read the numbers correctly, it was like 27 screens. My God. Why do you think that, like, I mean, in 95, Leatherface is a horror icon. People love the first movie. People, you know, the second one has a fan base. Why did these films always have a progressively lower budget going forward? Well, I think it has everything to do with the constant new studio taking it over and wanting to try something. And I think that was the biggest thing that hurt these films was the constant new studio taking it. Yeah, you're probably right. But it is something I noticed in like all of these franchises, you know, Halloween, Elm Street, Friday the 13th, every subsequent entry has like less faith in the, like by the studio. It's so weird. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's weird with these horror films, especially like the feelings that were kind of happening when the 80s were ending and the 90s were coming on and how some of these franchises got treated after that. It's just like, the the kings of a decade got treated like second rate trash. Yeah, at least now we're in a time when fans in the eighties are now, you know, controlling the fates of these characters and getting to do the you know reboot these correctly, bring them back to the limelight and make them the icons they you know used to be. You know, I'm, it's it's good to be in that generation. Yeah, it's. I know. I know. We talked about with like. Uh, the screen film and Halloween, but having the fans kind of be in charge of the stuff and doing it, it it's really, it's been kind of helped with like the slasher uh, revival that's been kind of happening. Obviously it hasn't been happening to the scale that the 80s has, but like if you pay attention, we've got a lot of these 80 slashers coming back in big ways where it'd be on the, on the theater screen at Halloween or like a lot of the streamers with, you know, um, the text Chainsaw Massacre obviously coming out and, um, Hellraiser and the Evil Dead film coming out later this year. And you're actually kind of seeing it progress even further into decades because now they're doing the things like announcing the Final Destination film for HBO Max. Like seeing these fans like that have the ability now, they're old enough to be making their own movies and they're they're getting these breaks and giving the love that we want. Um, I think that's why I get really annoyed when I see like people getting aligned on the bitch, bitch, bitch. I'm like, you have fans making like movies that weren't getting respect for you so like yeah i get it you're not going to always enjoy it you're not always going to like it you're not going to agree with it that's fine it's fucking subjective art form but like just be happy that like this is happening that we're getting people who love this stuff to make new iterations of it and personally i've been pretty uh pretty pleased with everything that we've gotten over the past few years I'm hopeful to see you know freddie and jason in the ring again in at least the next five years maybe 10 years. I don't know, but I'd like to see that again. 
but like you know michael's in a good place ghostface is in a great place looks like leatherface will hopefully be in a good place it's uh it's good feels good I like how your voice started looking on leatherface like <laughs> i'm hopeful but i mean the track record ain't great yeah they've had weird releases <laughs> Here's hoping. I mean, we have not yet watched the film. We're recording this on uh, Wednesday before the release. So we will we will definitely watch it. You can check out Sneak Preview on Monday to find out our thoughts, but hopefully they're going to be positive. Hopefully. I'm definitely watching it Friday when it comes out. So Yeah, same. I will, I will be there opening Netflix night. So <laughs> uh, with that, let's uh, where it releases and all that stuff. Let's kind of get into this one. So not much on the actual production side of the film. Um, it kind of faced your stereotypical um, issues of time and budget. It being such a low budget film, I think it was only made for like six hundred thousand. Yeah, that's uh, fucking crazy to me that this is a you know tried and true horror franchise. Maybe not the most profitable, but still has you know brand recognizable uh, brand recognition. People have you know it's got its fan base. Six hundred grand, like. It's not enough to, you know, Steven Spielberg wouldn't wipe his ass with 600 grand. Like, what is this? It's embarrassing. This is the best part, right? So right off the bat, they uh, bring on board the uh, original co-writer for the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Kim Hinkle to write and direct this film. So you get one, like the, the one of the two original guys to come back. Hmm. And it was originally titled, that's why I asked you, earlier how it was titled because even on my as you saw my blu-ray it's has the re-release title but the movie plays with the original title and that was uh originally titled the return of the texas chainsaw massacre they cast very early in their hollywood careers um matthew mcconaughey and when um so it seemed if you look at that on paper and don't worry about the six hundred thousand budget that people wouldn't have known about back things internet you know yeah um the pieces were in place for this to be like a really good fucking film you got the original co-writer back you got two rising talents like it was there for this to be like okay and then the title the return like oh shit okay here we go well (laughs) obviously like i just kind of talked about Things started to kind of crack through the seams. Like I said, you had time and money being a big one as it was getting revealed that this was a very low-budget Chainsaw Massacre film. Um, the finished project showed a script which frustratingly stuck to a lot of the beats of the original. A lot of the beats. A lot of direct moments pulled from the original. Yep. Um And because of all that, you now have probably what is ultimately one of the most universally hated entries in this entire franchise. I think it's like this and Texas Chainsaw 3D, like what fans just fucking hate. So all that came together for that. Now this is where it gets fun, guys. All right, let's talk release. So originally it's 1995. It would get a South by Southwest Film and Media Conference premiere in 95. Through that premiere, Colonial Pictures bought it, picked it up. They released it on 20 
seven theaters. Oh my god. In 95. They then proceeded. Oh yeah, we're not done. To take that and shove the movie for two fucking years. In 1997, as Mr. McConaughey and Mr. Oyer were rising even further and becoming like actual household names, Columbia had the spino going, we can re-release this because they're becoming big movie stars. So they re-edited the movie, they retitled the movie, and they re-released it as what we know it as, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Next Generation. From there, it would get, once again, get an extremely limited release. I don't have a number this time, but considering 27 was the first number, I don't think the numbers were strong for limited the second time around. It is amazing that Hollywood didn't burn out in the 30s with studio heads making these decisions. <laughs> really is amazing that film itself made it out of the 20th century with dipshits in charge who would make these decisions like this. Yeah, it, it's really amazing. I'm going to get into why the biggest theory on why they think this happened. Okay. The second time, not the first time. I don't know why the fuck you only got 27 theaters the first time in 95. <laughs> I do want to point out real quick. If you were a horror fan in 95, you got so burned so many times. Because, like, new Texas Chainsaw movie coming out, and you're like, oh, that's going to be great. It comes out, you manage to go to one of those 25 theaters, and you're like, oh, god damn it. At least I've still got the new Halloween movie to look forward to. (laughs) And then in October, you go see The Curse of Michael Myers, and you go home and you blow your brains out. Jesus Christ. (laughs) Damn. Sucks. I wasn't expecting that ending, but you're not wrong. And then because there's no internet when they release this in 97, they rename it. You're like, oh shit, a new one already? All right. You go see it's the same fucking movie. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'd be so pissed. (laughs) You're like, fuck me, man. Now. This is why they think it had such a limited release the second time around. Okay. Remember how I mentioned McConaughey and Slow became bigger stars at this point in 97? It's been widely reported that their agents have been doing everything in their power to bury this film. Oh. And that, that is why I got such an extremely limited second theatrical release that they were talking to Columbia constantly being like, don't you fucking release this movie. Like literally like coming after them and Columbia sort of kind of caved and said like, okay, well, we won't, we won't advertise it that much and we'll give it a limited release. <laughs> and the reason this theory has been going strong is because even to this day, they're having issues with that. This, the Shout Factory Blu-ray I have, the collector's edition of this wonderful local film, if you notice, does not have their name on the front of it, nor their faces. When they first announced that, when they first announced it, it had their name and their faces on the front of the cover, fucking loud and proud right there. Because it hit the news, agents called Shout Factory and said, fucking take their goddamn faces and name off that right now. That, when was the Shout Factory Blu-ray, like, developed 
like 2018. Do they really think that in 2018 this is going to bring down their star power by any stretch? I mean, mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. Yeah. It, oh, it doesn't end there. So they they fucking were first they just I think they just took like uh their faces off. So they're like, well, maybe we can keep the name. So then they had this date, and then they came back and said, like, no, take their names off too. They're not normally fucking on there. Then they went as far as to like, also, we don't want them mentioned on the bonus features. Any bonus <laughs> features you do cannot be even talking about them. Jesus. So if you look at the bonus, there's like three making ofs on this thing. It's the director of photography, well, the cinematographer, sorry, the actor that played Barry, and then the makeup guy and one of the produ- production designers. And they, they do their best to talk about their respective parts in the film, but pay attention, they do not mention Zellweger or McConaughey. They mention Robert Jacks, who played Leatherface. They had very nice things to say about um, him as a person. Um, and they mentioned, I guess, he like passed shortly after this was released. Uh-huh. Um, and apparently, uh, Tyler Cohen mentioned he was, um, he was offset because he was very um, outgoing uh proud uh gay man which threw him off but hey teach his own as long as you can act well in the movie who cares um but yeah they're not mentioned at all and a lot of it the belief is that their agents keep fucking or like hounding anyone (laughs) that puts this out mcconaughey will proudly star in sahara fool's gold zellweger will do down with love but texas chainsaw that's too embarrassing. Well, well, it's like you said, like you really think in, now in 2022, but how established both of them are. And I'm sorry, Zoe, McConaughey is a bit more established, I would say. Um, that you think a film from 95 is going to fucking destroy your career. And, and think about it like this, all right? Like you can't blame them for wanting to be in the fourth film, it's a Chainsaw Massacre film. It's a, at that point, it's the fourth film in the series. It's a Texas staple of film. Yeah, both of those actors are from Texas. It makes sense that early in their careers, when they were young, they would be like interested in doing this. So who cares in 2022 if it's true and their agents keep fucking hounding all these different like people like Shot Factory that are putting out the Blu-rays and stuff to remove their face and their name from the cover and make sure you don't mention them in the bonus features. Like, you really think it's like that's going to hurt their career? And it's not like this is a secret or some snuff movie or like a porno. It's a fairly shitty 90s horror film. Just own it. It's the beginning of your career. You weren't anybody yet. You did shit for the money. It's like I hate when they try to distance themselves from this show. Like when Jennifer Aniston tries to gaslight people into thinking she wasn't in Leprechaun. Like just, oh, yeah. just shut the fuck up and own that shit. You don't have to be proud of it, but accept that it happened. Yeah, it's part of your career. Like, be like Kevin Bacon. Just be like Kevin Bacon in Friday Thirteenth. Like, he has no qualms on people. Like, yes, I was in Friday Thirteenth. Like, Thank you, Mister Bacon. Yeah. Like, I wonder if Johnny Depp does this about Nightmare on Elm Street. I feel like he doesn't. No, I don't think he does. No. Just you know, if he. I mean, he came back for Christ's sakes for the seventh movie so that's that's right he did a cameo yeah so yeah he definitely doesn't it's just a movie folks like it's not 
represent you didn't kill people in texas with a chainsaw it's just a movie you can accept that it happened and move on and you know you don't have to answer questions about it forever we all know you're in it you're not protecting anything yeah it yeah it's like you you allow the movie to still get released so anyone like myself who buys, buys the movie doesn't take away the fact that when i play it they're in the fucking movie if I was McConaughey, I'd be way more embarrassed about failure to launch. <laughs> like, that's the shit you should be trying to bury, Matt. <laughs> yeah. It, it's really weird. And the thing is, though, it's like it, they always mention it's their agents. So I don't know how much of it is the actors themselves talking to the agents or the agents just doing this. I don't know. Because I know agents have, like, the oddest like power control in fucking showbiz it's almost yeah. scary yeah it's the you know it's james wood's agent's fault that he wasn't in pulp fiction the guy said no on his behalf soon got fired after pulp fiction came out <laughs> i didn't know that yeah he was on the um tarantino shortlist to play vincent and he wanted to offer james woods the role the agent intercepted the script and said no he wouldn't want this turned it down for him. James Woods found out and Pulp Fiction came out and immediately fired the guy. It's like, you son of a bitch. I could have been in this amazing movie. (laughs) So yeah, it's, it's weird. I mean, if if this is the agent doing it on their behalf, it's not like they don't know about it at this point. So it is on them. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair too. It's just one of those things that, like, I don't think it's, I don't think it's ever, we probably won't ever get, like, a release that puts their face plastered on or on this thing until they're dead. Like, honestly, like, as morbid as that sounds, until they're dead, count my words, there's going to be, like, so many Blu-rays of this with their face fucking plastered on it. Shout's going to be like, let's do a 4K, fuck it. We can't get fucking hounded this time. <laughs> Jeez. That's... I would, I'd be like, I'd be waiting. I'd be like, let's just stand by, guys. They got to croak eventually, and then we can just fucking plaster their name everywhere on this <laughs> that's fucked up but that probably is the only way but i mean is it really going to increase sales like i feel like we all know that this movie sucks yeah. mostly and that's the other thing too right so they, they they're so adamant about not having them displayed on any of this stuff most people know they're in the fucking movie because most horror fans tell people i tell people all the time like you know the kind was in a chance i'm asking you, like can't tell me to shut up about it. I'll tell people all day. Can you imagine if it went that far? If like they had people like hidden in crowds to like cease and desist every time somebody mentioned the fact that they were in this movie. We <laughs> caught a long time ago. <laughs> you'd be like penniless in all your in your fucking court defense. Like you'd everything you have would be going to fight this. <laughs> they tear down our show. Like it's I serve time for contempt. Like this, yeah. They could go into completely nuts with this. God, yeah. <laughs> That's terrifying. <laughs> yeah. But thankfully, I don't think enough people care. <laughs> I don't think anyone care. I don't I don't think anyone cares since that like like I said, I don't think anyone's watching this going, I'm never watching a McConaughey film again. I'm never watching a Bridget Jones film again. Fuck this. Like, I don't think that's happening. Being in a Texas Chainsaw movie doesn't seem to have affected Viggo Mortensen's career or Jessica Biel's career. Like, what's what's the harm here? Yeah, Tradonna Brewster's career did great. 
Yeah. Toby Hooper <laughs> was doing, you know, he he had a successful career post his two movies. Bill like, Mosley. Yeah, they're doing fine. I mean, Toby Hooper's dead, but he was doing fine. He was. Uh, Dennis Hopper, for Christ's sakes. Fucking Dennis Hopper. Yeah. One of the most <laughs> like epic character actors who ever lived. He took up two chainsaws and fucked up Leatherface and brought it down. Remember that? <laughs> yeah. And he, nobody was like, I'm never watching another Dennis Hopper movie again. This was shit. Because that's not how most people think. <laughs> I just feel like I didn't really like that movie. Now, if they were in a, in a sea of bad films, like it was a constant thing, then yes. Maybe you could see people be like, I'm not watching any more of this guy's movies. But that hasn't happened to like any of these chainsaw actors. Like they've all gone on to do pretty like good stuff that's made their career last. I feel like actors shouldn't be allowed to try to erase their failures like this. Like just, you know, nobody starts out like unless you're fucking Orson Welles, nobody starts out with a masterpiece. You gotta you gotta do some shit before you can get to the good stuff. That's just the way it works as an actor. So own up to the fact that you were in this shitty movie, joke about it, say, you know, it was a building block of who I am today. I still got that Oscar from Dallas Buyers Club. I still won that Oscar for Cold Mountain and Judy. I'm still a celebrated actor. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Like it yeah, it you know, you like I said, every actor has to start somewhere. And if you're a young Texas actor, of course you're like, yeah, Texas Chancellor Massacre movie? In like 95, three films have been out already? Like, fuck yeah, let's do it. So like, yeah. like I said, you know, McConaughey's won his fucking Oscars. I think Zoeger's won her fucking Oscars. Okay, two. So like, how they think that this film is like going to hurt them in 2022. All right, guys. Like, let's <laughs> Let's imagine for a sec, though, the world that they seem to think we're all living in. They Shout Factory wins. They release a Blu-ray, a 4K of Texas Chainsaw Next Generation starring McConaughey and Zellweger. Their careers immediately take a huge nosedive. <laughs> Nobody will hire them. <laughs> the Academy contacts them to, like, retroactively take their Oscars away. <laughs> like, they're just, they're penniless. And they all... Like they're both just so pissed because this is what they feared would happen if people, you know, publicly knew. I I, I don't I don't honestly know if, like what what changes. If that, if that was the case, there'd be a lot of out of work actors right now. If It'd being in a bad like movie that. meant the immediate end of your career, nobody would be in Hollywood. <laughs> Josh is holding up a note right now. That says it's their cinematic moped. <laughs> nice. That's good. <laughs> oh, boy. See, I knew we'd have fun with this one. Oh, yeah. That's what I said. Like, when I was picking, right, I was, like, debating between this and the third. And I'm like, this one's more fun. Just because of where it goes, it's insane fucking release that we're talking about. And you know, obviously the actors involved. Um, but also like like three, like I said, three's just planned. And I and like I think it had a very uneventful making. It came out, it just didn't do great, and they moved on. It's, it's like it, it's not a lot to three, really. It's a planned movie. Um but yeah. <laughs> 
Now that we've talked quite a little bit how this film should not affect young Texan actors' careers <laughs> after they've been well-established. I mean, Jesus Christ, McConaughey did Tropic Thunder, for Christ's sakes. <laughs> yeah, what would the peckers say? Let's be honest here. <laughs> if he's encouraging Tug Speedman to do Scorcher 6, then he should own up to Texas Chainsaw the next generation. <laughs> Look, he needs to bump those rookie numbers up, all right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, I, I'm a fan of McConaughey. I've liked I like a lot of his films, and uh, I just wish that he would accept the universally acknowledged fact that he was in this. <laughs> That's the craziest thing. It's not like he's in like heavy makeup and no one knows it's him. He's the main fucking character of the movie. <laughs> you think if people ask him, like, he's like, so what did you, can you explain your experience on Text Chance on Next Generation? And he just goes, what movie? Like, he just plays complete denial. <laughs> I heard of it. Sorry, there were only but... three Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies, I believe. Just three. And then they rebooted in 03. Prove me wrong. <laughs> what if that person has the movie like I do, just on standby? They're like, no, look, right here, your name's on the back of it. And he just grabs it and chunks it. Just fucking destroys that movie. Yeah. He has his agent take the movie and like mace the interviewer. <laughs> it's just like, this is over. We're done. <laughs> God, I just, it's such, it's so weird. It's so weird. Ah. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's something. Um, unless we want to keep going down this fun rabbit hole, before we move on to the awards, because that's really all I got for development hell. Like, yeah. Yeah. Not, not a lot on production, but this is a film that's really fun to talk about. It's fucking release and like how. Actors still think it's going to fucking tarnish their careers well over 20 years into it. Yeah, it's bonkers. I mean, I know, I think I can safely say this. Fuck, I'm pretty sure. I personally know one of the actors in this movie. Uh, the guy who plays, I think, McConaughey's dad? Or the guy with the shotgun. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've met him several times. He's kind of a family friend. Oh, nice. <laughs> Worked with my uncle on a project. He's uh, He was in an episode of The Shield I watched last week, too. This guy's, like, following me. <laughs> and I was like, I'd, I'd forgotten that he was in this. And I'm like, that's fucking Joe. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so Joe Stevens. Uh, cool to see him in a, lead, in a lead role. I thought he did really well. Just wanted to, just you, should wanted to ask him. you should ask him next time you have a chance to talk to him. Ask him, how was McConaughey? <laughs> what was McConaughey like? I I will for sure. If I ever yeah, if I ever see Joe again, I will one hundred percent ask him about that. Yeah, I was like, if you see Joe again, by oh man, I wish you knew that you could reach out and like, can you do you want to be on this show and talk about this movie? I would have if I'd known he was in the fucking movie before I watched it. I was like, that's him. I, if I had known that, I would have reached out. Damn, I didn't know you knew him. Fuck. <laughs> could have met. I would have been. I'm not gonna lie. I would have like gone like and incoherence and everything. I'll be like, oh my God, you're in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre next generation. Yeah, you know, maybe down the road. Maybe I'll, I'll see. But um, yeah, pretty nice. Right. Okay. Jesus, I'm now going to make it my mission that he signs my Blu-ray. Just so I can see him on Facebook. Like, you fucking own this movie? Yes, if I do. You, if you mail me that, I will do my best. Uh, 
Oh, God, you're a good man. <laughs> All right. Now that I've had that moment, let's move on to our awards. Okay. For the evening, day, night, whenever you listen to this. Um, first up, Zack Snyder or scene. What did you pick in a movie that has a lot of scenes just kind of in there? I had a couple of uh, options here. Uh, first, I had that scene where I think her name is Darla. Mm-hmm. Um, just randomly starts like softly beating Heather with a stick, like not even aggressively, just like get out of the way. Like that was there for the longest time until the fucking new world order showed up. And all of a sudden Leatherface is just a small dog (coughs) in the cabal to take over the world or whatever the fuck that was supposed to be. Talking about the dinner scene. Yeah. When the suits show up. I wrote that scene down too. It's it's out of fucking nowhere. It makes zero sense. And it just adds to this weird thing in the 90s when they felt the need to like further explain every slasher villain's motivations. And like, you know, you had the, the whole cult of thorn or whatever the fuck it was with Michael. You had like the Jason demon worm thing. Like, why did they keep doing that? And now Leatherface is part of the, the Illuminati. <laughs> what the fuck happened, man? I yeah, like even like for me, you can sit there sometimes be like, you know what? I get why they did this in the movie, right? This is the one thing I'm like, God, this just does not work. It like it's like the guy's name is the character's name is Rothman that shows up, and it's just like it's like a weird moment. The film tries to almost be meta. It feels like, but it doesn't work. The whole like we are producing fear and. Marble, and then he takes off like his uh, he unbinds himself, and he has like the weird stomach with like the 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 ring on a nipple, and it looks like it's a book. within this, it's like it's weird, and he licks her, and it's it's a weird scene. It doesn't really induce fear. It's weird, and and uh, I think the only thing I kind of liked about it was like McConaughey the whole time, and like his. But I'll get more into him uh, in a bit and how I feel about him, but. Yeah, it's it's just very rich, it, and it introduces a subplot that just goes nowhere. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. Um, remember back when this was just backwoods cannibals taking out passersby and eating them? Like it was so simple, so effective. Why did they feel the need to build on that? There's nowhere else to go. Well, if you notice, they're not, they're not even cannibals in this one. They're eating pizza. I know what the fuck is that. I've never been so upset to not see somebody eat people. <laughs> it's like you, you lost your roots. And once again, no goddamn pride in his home. Got no pride in your home. Look, at, you see what he did to this door? <laughs> like all the, every movie, Leatherface is fucking up their house. Gosh, and the same thing is like doors don't stop this guy. I'm like, I know. He's got a chainsaw. You should know that. I think he said it because we were watching the third one, and yeah, they had that scene where they moved the couch. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, it's not gonna do anything. It's a fucking chainsaw. And that's a wood door. Chainsaw beats wood. That's basic shit. Like, if you don't know <laughs> that, you're not gonna make it. I was like, I can't wait to see what door gets destroyed in the Doom one on Friday. <laughs> <laughs> I think it'd be funny if they destroy Leatherface's door, and now like that's the driving force of why he wants to kill them. <laughs> like older. 70-year-old Leatherface has finally got some pride in his home, and these fucking teenagers destroyed his door. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> oh, God. 
Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, no pride in his home. And uh yeah, this Illuminati part is weird. It's a fucking it's like, ah god, that's the only way, way I can describe it. It's a very weird scene that when it shows up again at the end, and he's even like, ah, this this is a mess up. Uh police or hospital, he lets her go, and I'm like, what was the point of this? Where is this like escape room style cabal? that is monitoring the activities of this backwoods Texas family. <laughs> well, what I love is that after they did this, if you notice, they never went down this route again. They've stuck with, this is the only film in the entire franchise that ever tried something as out of the box as this. And after that, they only stuck to backwoods cannibal family. So they're like, okay, that's what people want. I'm like, no shit, that's all we wanted. The movie is called Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It speaks for itself. <laughs> it's the name of the, that's what people want. They want to see a massacre in Texas with a chainsaw. I shouldn't have to explain this to you people. <laughs> Unbe- unbelievable, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, which leads us to our next one. I feel like we both, you probably had a ball with this one. <laughs> Ed Wood, worst line or lines, because I'll be shocked if you told me you only have one. I have two. I have two also. <laughs> They're both from Vilmer. And I... Did, I swear to God, if you put move, fucking move, I'm going to kill you. I didn't, but I just want to point out, I feel like this name came out of Val Kilmer. I feel like the name Vilmer... Is a is a dig at him. I don't know how, but I feel like that that happened. Could be nineties Val Yeah, I've never heard the name Vilmer in any other situation. No. Anyway, I will say I have no lines from McConaughey because he is just perfect in this. But go on. First line is is from it's the delivery. Uh, it's when he's attacking. I think his name was uh, Sean uh, Zellweger's not boyfriend that. That whole story never went anywhere. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The whole prom night thing, all that was fucking pointless. Anyway, um, he's coming after him and he says, first, I'm going to kill you. It ain't no fucking biggie. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> just some of the lines here and the delivery is just like, you can tell nobody gave a fuck about this movie. Nobody cared. Everyone was here for the paycheck. See, I didn't really mind that line, but only because like it, it felt like it, that's the beginning of you kind of seeing that this guy's complete psychopath. It was just the ain't no fucking biggie was so jarring. And then the other one is after Vilmer manages to get his leg under control with his various remotes and then screams his own name into the wilderness, Vilmer, and then screams, get that bitch, go! <laughs> I like that part too. I had to pause because I couldn't stop laughing. And I'm like, this is not the reaction I should be having to this movie. <laughs> this movie, something's wrong with this thing. <laughs> yeah. I will say this is like lines like this and hearing that is like, this is a film I wish I could have like watched with you just mainly to see your reactions throughout. <laughs> this has been one I've been dying for you to see just because I've always just want to see your reactions. <laughs> I understand. Yeah, this is a. Uh, I've never seen anything quite like this, and I doubt I ever will again. Oh, don't don't doubt it. 
for me, uh, mine two are not Vilmer at all because I just I love McConaughey in this film so much. But mine I picked because of bad delivery as well. So both of these because of bad delivery. Um, the first one's when that car hits them, the very inciting incident for the rest of this film. Yeah. And the guy pops out, says something. I can't I couldn't quite catch what he said. And then he falls on the ground and dies. And one of the females that isn't so I forget her name, goes in like the least concerned like tone I've heard in my life. Did he die? Yeah, I know exactly who you're talking about. I fucking hated her. Yes, I think she's asked it like she asked it like three or four times in the same delivery. And I'm like, you don't sound like you're concerned, and you saying it multiple times does not show concern. It just shows I'm getting fucking annoyed hearing you ask. I get it. Her whole character was just, I don't know. Did they try to make somebody you wanted to see Leatherface butcher? Because that's that's kind of who she was the whole time. She's got this valley girl accent and is constantly asking like weird ass questions, talking about murder. You know, her boyfriend, she caught making out with somebody else again. Nothing like that never comes up again. Like she's just worthless and pointless. And oh, so I get it. Yeah. Yeah. I never understood the valley girl accent. I'm like, you're in Texas. What the fuck is going on? <laughs> yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> it's like, I didn't think about that. But yeah. Why are they? Why she sounded like she's from fucking LA? This is Texas. Yeah. Even the Californians that are moving there don't sound like that. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? It's like no one in Texas talks like that. It's more like I tell you what. I'm just kidding. But that's a good chunk. Um, the other one is actually the same scene you talked about with Vilmer and uh, the no, you know, it's no, it's no fucking biggie. Yeah. Um, but again, because I like Kilmer or Connie too much. <laughs> I threw myself off because we talked. And I was like, wait. <laughs> I went with the character Sean, who delivers some of the most piss poor lines and emotional tone with line in this fuck in this entire scene. Like everything he says there, I could have picked, but I ultimately went with, went with uh please mister you're scaring me <laughs> because he doesn't sound fucking scared literally okay so kilmer runs it god damn it you got stuck in my head now <laughs> vilmer okay right he comes up to the car quickly lets it go that i'm makes it known that he's a psychopath he's going to kill this guy and from that moment on everything this actor delivers is so piss poor at one point, you see him run, and then all of a sudden, he's, like, stopping to catch his breath, and even looks behind him to see the cars coming, and then just doesn't care, like, isn't running. And then that's when he gets in line, he's like, please, mister, you're scaring me. Literally, like, how I just delivered this line, and I don't know how to fucking act at all. Um, uh, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of that, like, weird chases in this movie. Particularly when Leatherface goes after Zellweger and she's like walking through the swamp and you can see him like pausing to let her get some space, some distance, and then he keeps running. And then she, like, it was the worst chase scene I've ever seen. I never seen Leatherface just fucking pause and wait for the other person to get their bearings and then continue <laughs> the chase. Oh shit, my bad. I'm, I'm too close. Woo. <laughs> we got dangerous chainsaw here. Wouldn't want it to touch you. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> Good choices. Yes. 
But now, here's here's another. All these are fun, but uh, the Steven Seagal worst performance. Who did you pick? And there is at least one wrong answer in this for me. This was a no-brainer almost from the start of the movie. Lisa Neumeyer as Heather. I couldn't stand this bitch from day one. I was like, please don't be our hero. (laughs) I don't want to follow this lady through the whole movie. I can't understand. I can't deal with her. Oh my God. And then, yeah, I'm I'm glad she died. (laughs) I wish it had been sooner. She was so irritating. Her dialogue made no sense. Her delivery was horrendous. Uh, Yeah. What a, what a shit show. Yeah. And she gets like the most protracted death too. So like she, it's pretty abused but again none of it really looks like it's that bad like even her reaction when she's like lit on fire is like an odd reaction <laughs> yeah oh my god i don't even yeah, i don't even like thinking about her she was yeah. she bothered me <laughs> yeah it was weird for me so for the long longest time i did have someone else before i changed it to i have now at first i wrote down Tyler Cohn, who plays Barry. Because a lot of his delivery is just like, oh, dear God, man. <laughs> but because of the scene I just talked about, he quickly got replaced with Mr. John Harrison as Sean. Because one, in the few scenes before this whole chase, doesn't really leave an impact. And then in his moment to shine as an actor, show fear, and fucking give it his all, all his lines just sound like he's legit just reading with no emotion whatsoever. Like he's, It's like he's looking at the script in the scene, being filmed, reading it. It's like the worst fucking delivery I think I've had to sit through. And yeah, it, it's, um, it's a small part. It's very small. He doesn't last long. He's like the first one to go. But I have seen other films with actors with very small roles do a whole lot more than he did. Yeah, good choice. He was forgettable. Um, yeah, I, the kids all sucked. Honestly, and I know this, I'm not just saying this because I kind of know the guy. I thought Joe Stevens was very good. He seemed to be the only, him and McConaughey seemed to be the only two people who understood what this was. I thought the the people playing the family members were the only ones that understood it. Even Dar- the lady playing Dollar doesn't bother me. I felt like those three understood I'm not necessarily like Robert Jackson's other face. I feel like that is a, a problem with direction. If they were the ones that told him to scream constantly. Um, I feel like besides that, he, you could, I could tell he's trying, he's trying to work with what he's given. Yeah. So I don't blame him too much. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, I'm with you. I think the people who play the family, I don't know Joe Stevens. So this comes from, just never met this man. Um, wish i knew this information you know because i he would have found out that he had a get a fan in this guy um, um but yeah they're the only ones i get it because i do agree with you i think uh joe stevens is great he was cracking me up with his fucking constant quoting <laughs> of lines. like he throws the line in the sand <laughs> discretion is the better part of valor that's billy shakespeare like, I I liked him. He did a good job. Yeah, or the or the part when like Leatherface is running out of the house when Dollar comes home and yelling because he keeps uh Joe Stevens keeps fucking with him. 
And he's like, come on, I ain't going to hurt you. Go on back in. I ain't going to hurt you. He's just holding him, then, like, he leaves and he starts fucking poking him. <laughs> was Darla supposed to be, like, a real estate agent or something? Like, what was her deal yeah, in, like... She the- was a married businesswoman that willingly went into that family because she was so infatuated with McConaughey. Jesus. Probably had a huge day. I mean, you gotta be... <laughs> with that kind of, you know, job, I mean, you gotta have, you know, big dick energy to even keep going. Yeah. Why do you have a robot leg? Oh, that's never explained. No one knows. Why do you have a fucking bionic leg in 1995 Texas backwoods? Illuminati, man. Jesus Christ. (laughs) Illuminati confirmed. I guess. It's the only explanation. (laughs) All right. All right. Now for probably the funnest one. That we have for this film that is the Michael Bay first filmmaking decision. Connor, what the fuck happened to Leatherface? This is his movie. It's Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It's not the you know Vilmer's victims. Like this is we're here to see Leatherface, and he is so sidelined. And what we do get with Leatherface is a very obvious Buffalo Bill knockoff who barely resembles the monster we've come to know and love. And like you said, is constantly screaming and also dresses up like a grandma towards the end of the movie. Like what happened, man? Like, I feel like it's a you know, VH1 behind the music of Leatherface. Like this is your life. What happened? This is insane anger. <laughs> like buddy, look who you used to be. What, what happened? You used to be right the lightning. Now you're reloading. Same anger. I'm just picturing like Freddy, Jason, Chucky, Ghostface all having like a like a killer intervention for Leatherface and being like, we're like, we're worried about you, man. <laughs> I mean, we've had bad films, but whoa. You used to be somebody. People used to be afraid of you. You were in a classic, man. What happened? Jason doesn't say anything, but he hands him a poem. What if he, like, lifts off the mask? He's, like, this super handsome dude. Very eloquent. It's McConaughey. He starts beating him with the cattle prod. <laughs> Jason couldn't make it, motherfucker. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I just... What this show, movie did... Show Stevens to quote more fucking literature. <laughs> like... Yeah, I just think that what this movie did to Leatherface is unforgivable. He's the worst part of this movie, and that's sad because he should be the highlight because that's this is a Texas Chainsaw movie. Uh, so yeah, that's the worst. That's the worst decision for me. Yeah, I, and I get. What I will say it doesn't bother me the um, the lady makeup at the end because if you actually like, and I we were talking, me and Josh talking about this in the original film, he puts on a lady mask and wears lady attire. At the end of the original film, when they're having dinner during the dinner scene, he changes when it later when it gets to like you know the climactic chasing everything, but it's there. So it was always kind of there that Leatherface adopts whoever um, the persona of the mask he's wearing. So that part didn't bother me. I do agree. Really, yeah, the screaming because I know he probably will. Maybe the teenager was screaming. I don't need Leatherface to scream throughout the whole fucking movie because even after I wore me out, I'm like, all right, stop fucking screaming. Um, did you notice he doesn't kill anybody with the chainsaw? Oh, yeah, I noticed. Mm-hmm. 
don't think and he actually killed. No, he does kill Barry. The thing with the with the makeup, it's the fact that they're so obviously ripping off Silence of the Lambs, like because they knew that was a success. It's like it's the way they did it was so disingenuous. That like this has nothing to do with the character. This is a more successful movie. Did this, so if I do this, my movie will be successful. Okay. Okay, then okay, that's fair. I just I was approaching from like, well, they explored that before with Leatherface. This film, I would just argue, went like even further with it, obviously. Um, I would say like the only scene to this day that I find creepy in the entire film with him is like his appearance when he's behind her and he's messing with the gore on the porch. It's the only time he's like legitimately kind of scared, and you're like, okay, okay, he's gonna like fuck with people, and then yeah, uh, we get what we get. So I get that. Um, for me, it goes back to what we talked about earlier with just the Illuminati subplot. It's like the worst thing I think they could have done with this film just because it just it falls flat. It goes absolutely nowhere. There's no point to it. It's just like when they did, you know, the curse of Thorn on Halloween. Like, you don't need to do this shit. Like, I don't care. I, I don't I don't explain it. I don't I don't. It makes it less scary when you do that. Just give me, like you said, what I want. Leatherface, a chainsaw, it's in Texas, and there's some kind of massacre involved. When I was watching the first film, I don't remember thinking, like, well, this is scary, but who's really running the show? Who's, who's re- there's no way this family could butcher, you know, teenagers and make barbecue without somebody pulling the strings. So who's it? Like, no, nobody fucking thought that. Ever. So the oh. fact that you would even introduce that is stupid. Yeah, and you know it, and I feel like with the films, you know, prior to this, you know, they they pushed the comedy as far as they could with the second film, right? And then they said, let's explore more family members in three. Okay, cool. And it was like, you get to the fourth, they're probably thinking like, well, what the fuck do we do now? <laughs> and I'm, I'm sure there were other ideals. This was not a good one. <laughs> um, and by that, I mean like. I could if you had just dropped the Illuminati subplot at all, like don't even try to replace anything. Just fucking drop it. You don't need it. Yeah, I mean you can e- even keep that line where Darla is like, you know, the like, yeah, the people who really run the world. They tell them what to do. Keep that in there so it makes Vilmer just look like a fucking loon. Yeah, it could use it as like part of the lunacy that they 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 think that, and yeah. it's not actually true. So it, yeah, I would have. I would not have put that in there. I would have just left it out completely. Same. Yeah. So now that we've uh, had some fun giving those awards out, time to move on to the last part of the awards section, server linings, something that we, uh, some positive that we could take away from the film. I will let you go first, obviously. Go ahead. All right. So I have a quick one before my real one. I just wanted to point this out because it made me smile. There's a song in the soundtrack, uh, Two-Headed Dog by Rocky Erickson and the Aliens. Uh, never heard it in a movie before. He's a, um, a rock star from Austin, traditionally, who is not very well known outside of Texas. So it was really cool to hear his music in the movie. So that was a brief one. And now my real silver lining, it's obviously McConaughey. Uh, Matthew McConaughey is a national treasure. And I mean the nation of Texas. Each, I, like, well, I got I got McConaughey on mine too, so I'll let you speak. I figured you would. He knows exactly what he's doing. I was reading about his audition, and he was originally auditioning for one of the teenagers, 
And they told him about the part of Vilmer and if he knew anybody who might be good for that. And he said, yeah, I got some buddies. I'll give him a call. And as he was leaving, he's like, what the fuck am I doing? He went back in there. He's like, can I read for that character? <laughs> and he read and he was so fucking crazy. He immediately got the part. Uh, awesome. Yeah, I love that. Uh, this is fresh off Days of Confused. You know, this is not Wooderson. This is some like complete loon, as I said. And he's having a blast fucking with these people. I mean, he got to like, you know, bitch slap Renee Zellweger. I mean, I know the, I know a lot of people who've wanted to do that. <laughs> and it's um, it's just it's he's the one saving grace of this film because he is having fun. He knows what this is. It's it's a bummer he won't own up to it, but at the time. He, he was he was clearly having a blast. And uh, yeah, I think without him, I doubt this is watchable to anybody. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. Um, Before I, you know, because I write out like my awards on a piece of paper and get everything set up when I watch American Write, before I even fucking started the movie when I was doing my pro for this, I immediately, after writing Silverlining, put Matthew McConaughey. I was like, there's nothing that's going to change my mind on this movie. Because um, I'm with you. He is... And I mentioned it when I was watching it, and I had this I thought, I'm like, you know, this and like From Dusk to Dawn with George Clooney are movies where I've watched their performances and thought, why can't you just give us that again? And this is no shade to either of those actors. They're both, you know, phenomenal actors. Like you said, McConaughey is the national treasure of the nation of Texas. Um, but, you know, just like George Clooney has never really gone back to that type of role he did for Dusk to Dawn. Kanye's never gone back to the cyber and I'm like, why not? Because you guys are so good when you go outside your comfort zone and what you do. I mean, he gives the most insane and unhinged performance I think I've ever seen him give. Even the way he loses his, his all right, all right, all right. It's not, you know, happy-go-lucky. Like, it is leading to something fucking terrible that he has thought up in his head. Um. Yeah, and the way you can with his like his delivery and everything, you tell he's just yeah, like I said, he's having a blast. You can tell his character loves fucking with these people, and you have so many moments where he shows like how loony he is, like when after Rothman leaves and he starts like cutting himself and freaking out, and it's like, wow, it, like you know, McConaughey's movie is just giving a hundred and ten percent. He has one of my favorite lines from the movie, but you know we don't pick best lines, so, and that is um my move fucking move when he just. Randomly yells ahead in the kitchen. It is <laughs> great. Um, I mean, the way he even does, like, uh, I think when she, like, holds the shotgun or something, like, he points his fingers at her. And the way he's just staring at her, it's like, this guy's giving it his all. And, yeah, you're right. I, I hate that his agents are trying so fucking hard to hide this movie. Because, like, yeah, it's a shit movie, but your performance isn't shit. So own up that, like... What what are you losing here, McConaughey? Like you did a great job in a bad movie. I'd rather you do that than phone it in and add to a movie that, like you said, probably wouldn't be that watchable without his performance. I would double down if this new one's a success and they want to do another one. I would contact McConaughey about the role of playing like the sheriff. Or like they did with Stephen Dorff in Leatherface 2017. Sure, I haven't seen that one, but yeah. Steven Dorf pops up as like the sheriff. It's, I wasn't expecting it. Well, I'm thinking like, you know, kind of like Arlie Ermey, like the, you know, the, the guy you think is the lawman, but who's really running the family. Mm-hmm. And they, McConaughey now, I, there's no way he'd say yes, obviously. But it, I think, you know, you, you could probably 
he'd probably have a lunch with you to talk it over. Yeah. And, and it's sad because like he did a film not too long ago called Killer Joe with Roman Freakin, where he did kind of go back and tap into that. You know, I don't think he was as unhinged as he you know obviously was here, but he tapped back into playing like a villain. And I've heard a lot of people say he's really good in that movie. And I'm mm-hmm. like, why can't you just do that more? Like be what Ethan, do what Ethan Hawke's doing right now with how he made the comment that he's having a ball playing villains because you know he's he's established his career, he's on the other side of 50, and he's like, I just it's like I'm established, I'm old enough, like I don't give a shame. Well, like, yeah, I want to play villains and have some fun. Yeah. I mean, look at the gentleman. I mean, that was a couple of years ago. That's to date my favorite McConaughey performance. He plays a, you know, an unhinged uh, weed kingpin in England who kills his competition brutally and is constantly doing crazy wacko shit because he's king of the world. Like that, that's the my favorite McConaughey is unhinged, crazy ass, no fucks given McConaughey. He's good at it. He's so good at it. He's like, ah, and this film shows you. And that's why that's why I do when people say, like, should I check this one out? I'm like, if you're a fan of the franchise, by all means, yes, just so you can see McConaughey. I was like, but no going in, it's like outside of that, it's not like a good movie. I'm like, the you will probably like a lot of the actors that play the family. And this is like, I'm not trying to like downgrade, you know, Joe Stevens or the lady that plays Darla or any of them, because they do fantastic work too. They really do. Um, but like you can just to me, you watch this film and you can sit there and see why McConaughey has had the career that he's had. You re- you really really can. You can be like, yeah, I see why this man has gone on to what he has now. I I, I look, I'll say it. I don't necessarily with Zellweger, but again, I'm not the hugest Zellweger fan. So yeah, I'm not watching Bridget Jones in my fucking free time. So yeah, I mean, if you told me like. You showed me these two guys and you said one of these is a two-time Oscar winner. I would not have guessed her. <laughs> uh, Judy was good. I haven't seen Cold Mountain, but I just don't really understand her appeal. I don't think she's very good. I don't think she's... I, she, I just get a bad vibe off her. Whereas McConaughey, I feel like I, I could get a high five from him. He feels like one of the boys. That's probably <laughs> the best way to put it. <laughs> just it the good be- old boys. Yeah, it just and it could be that Texas vibe. He's always been known. I think was it those like pictures from like the beach, chilling, shirtless, of course, like playing bongos or something. Like he just seems like he's not the Hollywood type at all. Yeah, dude gets you know super stoned, plays naked bongos, gets arrested for it, and it does nothing to his career. (laughs) So honestly, is Texas Chainsaw really gonna throw a wrench in that? (laughs) What if it's what if like he. What if he didn't say all right, all right, all right? Do you think that was on Rich in his career? You think that would have been it? I feel like it wouldn't, but he would 100% think it did. Like he would, it would get in his head and he would start to second guess himself and he'd lose a bit of the magic and he'd be like, what happened? <laughs> he'd be like, nothing happened, Matt. You're fine. He's like, something's not all right, all right, all right. Something's not, something's wrong. <laughs> Just imagine him using that line in real life. He got the doctor, how are you feeling, Matt? All right, all right, all right. It was the first thing he said in his Oscar acceptance speech for Dallas Buyers Club. So, yeah, he is so connected to that phrase. <coughs> God, that's fucking great. He, he does use it good here, like changing it up how he usually says it. So I'll give him credit. <laughs> but uh, now that we've gone on our soapbox about why 
uh, Matthew McConaughey should just own up to this movie and give us more performances like this. Come on, Matt. If you're not running for governor anymore, oh. what you doing? Um, let's move on to our last segment of the show. What's in the box? What's in the fucking box? There's a lot of hate in the box. Uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Next Generation, is sitting at a 1.9 out of 5 stars on Letterboxd. Uh, if you don't know what Letterboxd is, it's an awesome uh, movie catalog site that people can rank and review and list all the films they've seen. It's a social media site for film nerds, and it's quickly becoming one of the premier places to go to for movie recommendations and uh, ratings. So that's why we include it on this show, because people get fucking creative when they review especially bad movies. Uh, <laughs> I have five for you today. Buckle up. Okay. Buckaroo. <laughs> Number one, this is from PD187. Everybody always trying to go somewhere to chase clout. Jason went to New York. Mike Myers drove out to Cali. Leprechaun's in space. Only Leatherface keeps it real and reps his hometown. That'll build your local scene. Four and a half stars. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, good point. Leatherface ain't leaving Texas. <laughs> like, no, it's in the title. Like, <laughs> Texas Chainsaw Massacre 5 goes to space. Space Texas. How would they even fucking do that? We have to take place like a thousand years in the future on like the the like the USS San Antonio like spaceship that's just like the Texas spaceship and somehow some asshole has a chainsaw. I don't know how they do that. I'm going to include like famous Texas mo- uh, monuments like the Alamo. <laughs> I want to see this movie. Um, number two, this is from Matt Singer. If you want to watch a movie where Matthew McConaughey crushes a woman's skull and you've already seen How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, I guess this will do. One and a half stars. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Oh, that was a good twist. I didn't see that coming. I was like, okay, what's this going? <laughs> uh, number three from Matthew Newton. The Days to Confuse sequel took a weird turn. One, one and a half stars. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. This one reminded me so much of you. This is from Jun Jenny. Sometimes I contemplate if it's really worth it to waste an hour and 30 minutes of my time because of my love of horror franchises. One star. (laughs) Is it worth it being a completionist? I don't know if it is. I will not answer that question right now. (laughs) And my personal favorite, number five from Santiago. Honestly, what the fuck? Half a star. Oh, that's what's in the box. That reminds me when I showed this movie to some buddies back when I was on um, Nimitz. And they were like, what's a bad horror movie? And I was like, I got the perfect one. <laughs> <laughs> I put this on. I was like, you guys all seen the original, right? They're like, yeah. I was like, good. And I played, I played it. And at the end of the movie, one of the guys went like 
said roughly that it ends in the moment the crash button just goes what the fuck (laughs) (laughs) it's yeah i said it too it's the only question you got when this fucking thing ends you're like what was that like (laughs) yeah beautiful uh and half a star is as low as you can get on this on this site so he clearly did not care for this no he didn't yeah that's a good yeah i thought those were really funny (laughs) Those are good. Short, sweet to the point, too. I like it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I only count one around you of me because I have to watch everything. I mean, I always be to my benefit, but that's not the point. <laughs> whatever whatever you got to tell yourself, buddy. <laughs> I do it for a good cause. Well, what... Uh, this was fun. This was a shit movie, but this was a fun episode. It was. It's amazing. How I we did an episode on the O3 remake, which caused me to up your score by one point because you saw the uh, how good that film was, and then we go to the exact ox- opposite of the spectrum. So really, sneak preview is a fucking wild card here. It really <laughs> is, and honestly, I just want it to be over. I'm kind of done with Leatherface for a while. <laughs> I feel like I've been just trapped in the fucking farmhouse for a week now. I want out. Oh, someone gets tired of these fun-filled marathons real quick. Well, when one of them's good and one of them is this fucking bad, yeah. <laughs> Isn't it fun? Like, you've seen two extremes, so that means... Yeah, this is... On um, Friday. <laughs> I don't know. I, I was optimistic. I, I like to think I am still, but I'm not going to lie, it's been shaken. <laughs> <laughs> Is, is not as positive as it was just yesterday. So we'll see. I I, I guess, yeah, I don't know what to expect now. You're starting to see how my mindset is this new one now. You're starting to understand. I like it. <laughs> so before I reveal what next week is for this show, uh, social media stuff, fun stuff. Uh, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram and our Filmgasm Productions. Uh, we also have an email you can shoot us, recommendations, or if you just want to talk to us, I don't know, get some life questions related to film. Filmgasm at gmail.com. Uh, we're also on Anchor if you want to donate and support in any way. You do not have to donate. It's so don't feel obligated. Uh, and then finally, our website, filmgasm.com, for reviews, trailers, articles, and all of our episodes. Next week, join us as we discuss the long gestating remake of an action classic that was directed by Eli Roth and starred the one and only Bruce Willis, not in his prime, 2008's Death Wish. I think you mean 2018's Death Wish. Because I put 2018's Death Wish. I wrote 2008, and that's what I'm looking at. It's okay. I highly doubt anybody gives a fuck this movie. (laughs) is. It could, it could come out two years ago, come out ten years ago. It's still going to be shit. That's <laughs> uh, yeah. Going to yeah. the going to the remake well is easy pickings on this show. And uh, Bruce Willis especially. I don't know what happened to him. I don't know if losing Demi Moore made him lose his standards too. Did He, lo- like he lost his standards in the divorce maybe. So I guess we'll see. Because I... <laughs> I haven't seen this yet. I haven't seen the original Death Wish. I'm going to try to watch both. But uh, I have heard pretty horrendous things about this movie. 
I have seen it once again, I guess going back to um, me, me, here I am with my love of certain directors. I sought this out to see what Eli Roth brought to the table. Um, I remember thinking it was fine. Um, I didn't hate it like a lot of people did. Um, I also have not seen the original though. So I will also be trying to watch it in time. Um, uh, fun little fact, apparently my grandma, who was super religious, major Charles Bronson fan. So I found that out. <laughs> Love that. Um, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I just remember this being fine and then nothing else, not, not that much more about it. I remember like the gore was there. Like it was a gory fucking movie. But it's, I mean, Bruce Willis didn't exactly blow my mind because like I said, I know I said 2018, very past his prime when it came to, um, I guess like bankable. Life. Studio backs type of movies. I've tried Still acts is kind of like straight to video action films that no one watches. <laughs> <laughs> well, we do, but you know, not for the right reasons. Yep, not for the right reasons, because I'm seeking them out for okay. personal pleasure. Um, but yeah, that will be for Beyond the Bad. I completely forgot our fucking title song. <laughs> As for the other shows uh, on Filmgasm, uh, you'll get a special surprise with D2 The Mighty Ducks. It will not be myself, Connor, anyone on the Filmgasm team. It's, I believe you said Austin's two brothers? Yep, Adam and Jeremy. Yes, Austin's two brothers. So, you know, look forward to that. I'm sure they'll do great. I wish them the best of luck. Um, on Oscar Sunday, I know I said last week and I was wrong, but I'm right this week. Best Picture Showdown involving years to slave yes so gonna be hysterical i'm sure yeah it's the most lighthearted movie i sat through i want to watch it all the time yeah, i've seen be- I, I have seen i've seen 12 years of slave and i remember thinking i'm never watching this again not because it's bad but holy fuck yeah it's a rough rough watch uh but you know the shit we do for entertainment's sake I'll, I'm, you know, I'll, I'll watch it, I'll evaluate it, and then I will shelve it. <laughs> yeah, uh, I will try not to watch this film again unless I really have to, because yeah, it's it's a rough one. It's in that category of like I don't need to watch it again. Um, and I think, uh, yeah, and then finally, I know on uh, sneak preview coming up since finally the end of Texas Chainsaw Massacre week on Filmgasm. We will be talking the new one that's coming out on Netflix that we mentioned like 500 times already. Um, outside of that, uh, I doubt we'll talk about it, but there is uh, the new Chainsaw Star Dog coming out. We probably won't talk about it, but it's out for those who want to watch it. Um, there will also be the Uncharted film, which uh, we'll both uh, seen, I believe. Yes. I know I'm seeing it. Um, just to kind of see how it is, see if it is hopefully in the better end of video game adaptations. And then um, I know I mentioned to you before we recorded, there's like a last minute like horror release called The Cursed coming out. I don't know how big of theater screenings it's getting, but it's coming out. I'm going to check it out because it's supposed to have actually come out like last year as like a festival circuit thing, and it's just now getting a theater release. So interesting weekend coming up um say say the least but until then don't ditch prom you might end up stuck in the middle of nowhere 
and the crossroads of a crazy psychotic family working for a secret organization, aka the Illuminati. They won't be cannibals, though. Don't worry, they eat pizza. We're fine on that one. And see you all next week on Beyond the Bad. Thank you.